0: Hi, this is Wayne Zell, host of Blueprint for Wealth, your fast-paced videocast that's designed to help you realize your personal dreams of wealth and freedom. And on this videocast, we always bring on special guests, entrepreneurs, and others who have great stories to tell. And my entrepreneur today is Mr. Matt Murray, who has got a great story. Welcome, Matt. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. I'm excited uh, to chat with you guys today.
0: Thanks Thanks for being on the show. You're on the West Coast, right? You're in Southern California?
1: I am. I'm based uh, just outside of Orange County. We call it the Inland Empire, but I'm in, in Corona area. Corona. I've never
0: been there, but I have drunk the beer many times. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about a few things. Matt's got a really interesting sort of childhood and, and teen years. He had to evolve through some very difficult times. We'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about his passion for fixing things because he he just wrote a book, which also we're gonna talk about. And um and it's available. Is it available on Amazon? I think I saw it on Amazon.
1: It is, yes. You can purchase the book on Amazon.
0: Yeah, and it's it's a great book, and it it's really I think it's it's inspired from his background. He'll tell us about that. And then he's gonna tell us about his new venture into becoming the blue-collar king and making everybody else a blue-collar king. So first thing, Matt. Tell us a little bit about your background. Um, You know, where did you grow up and why was your upbringing so chaotic?
1: I grew up in Southern California. I'm born and raised in in SoCal, and I come from multi-generation of of blue-collar families, My grandparents on both sides, they had tow, you know, tow truck companies and gas stations and junkyards. And my dad was a meat cutter. He worked at Lucky Stores, which is no longer around. And my mom was actually a checker. At the at the grocery store, and that's how my parents met. So it was always kind of around that stuff. And I can remember being a little kid, and the parents worked really hard. And my dad always had like a side job going on in the driveway. And I think my blue collar journey started when I was about four years old, sitting in the driveway. I can remember being in poopy diapers, handing my dad, you know, wrenches out of the toolbox. So wait a second. that's just wait, wait a second.
0: You can remember being in poopy diapers. That's something I, I can't <laughs> remember, and I don't want to remember yeah. that. That's, yeah, that's amazing and I think we're buy love you know tool. I love this stuff that's that's pretty <laughs> wild so yeah so what was he doing? Was he building stuff, fixing stuff? What was he
1: doing? Yeah. He always was turning wrenches and working on cars. It was a lot. I didn't learn what was going on until I got a little bit older, but like I said, I can remember always being out there as a little tiny kid, helping him do stuff in the garage. And I loved being out there with my dad. And I loved, I loved touching the tools and stuff, but I, he always had side jobs going on. So he would, he would take people's cars and, you know, fix head gaskets or water pumps, or he would buy broke down cars, and then he would fix them up and sell them to make a profit and make extra money. So that's kind of how all the blue collar wrench turning stuff started.
0: So what, what was, what was chaotic about your life?
1: So there was a lot of good things going on. You know, my parents worked, my parents worked really hard and they did the best that they could. And we had a, we had a nice home and stuff, but there was a lot going on with alcohol in the, in the family lineage, if you will. And And what happened with my dad is it, and alcohol, you know, it's, it can be, it can be something that gets progressively worse and kind of, and kind of take over. So the the drinking started happening more and more and more, and my parents were fighting and, Things were just, things were out of balance. I mean, we would go camping and have nice things, but then at home, you know, at night during the week, dad was coming home late and he was coming home drunk and then they were fighting. I would wake up in the middle of the night and hear all this chaos and commotion and that kind of went on for a while. And it was just kind of a roller coaster of, you know, fun, trying to make it work, but then chaos with the parents fighting and the booze and all that stuff. So
0: yeah, sure. yeah it
1: was very, it was a, it was an emotional roller coaster ride there for a while.
0: It must have been tough and you probably wanted to get out of the house to just have to avoid all that stuff. You mentioned that you really started helping him fix things, you know, at a really young age or at least handing him stuff so he could fix things. When did you start acquiring this passion for fixing stuff? And and particularly HVAC. I mean, I read your book and in the book you talk about, I love to fix things and I'm going... Yes. I'd love to hire you to fix things because I don't like to fix things. I'm not very good at it.
1: I'm a builder fixer for sure. And I think it started very young. If I could, you know, besides love hanging out in the garage, probably like Legos and erector sets. And then when we would, you know, go to the store, I would always ask for the the uh, electrical projects where you can do, you know, work with wires and circuits and stuff like that. So I, yeah. I always love that. And then Later on in school, I, you know, I signed up for auto shop and stuff like that, and I just, I just loved everything to do with anything mechanical. I'm a very mathematical, analytical, mechanical kind of guy.
0: So mechanical, but also electrical, because the the two are very different. But how they intertwine is really cool. And then in HVAC, you've got refrigeration stuff going on, and which Correct. I don't, I don't even begin to understand. My wife says the refrigerator's not working. Can you fix it? It's like, no, call somebody, call Matt Murray, because I can't fix it.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So that's, what's really neat about HVAC. And I got into HVAC when I was 23 years old, after I had moved out of the house, when I was 17, I'd left okay. the house, ran away to get from all, away from all the chaos and, and craziness at home. And, I went off and did different trades. I was a waiter at a restaurant. I did that for a little bit. And then I was like, okay, I don't like this. I worked on car stereo alarms and stuff, did some installs on stereos and car alarm systems. I'm like, okay, that looks, re- I love that a lot more. Sure. And, um, and then I uh, was introduced to an H- HVAC, the industry actually by a family friend. And I started looking into it and, and I was like, wow, I really love the idea of this. It's got mechanical, it's got electrical it's got all this other stuff, refrigeration properties and thermodynamics and chemicals and stuff. So I was really fascinated. So I, uh, I took the job, and part of the job was that I would have to go to school. So I went to, to Cypress College. I did a trade school for two years. And then I had to do the apprenticeship program. So I did about five years of of trade school and I became a journeyman um, after about five years. And then the company, unfortunately, that I was working for, they got into some really big construction projects and they end up getting hurt really bad and they had to file a a bankruptcy. And in June of 2003, we all got called in, about 40 of us, and we all got laid off. I was put into doing a side job, not by design, but by default, we all got laid off and I'm like, Hey, I got to make some money here. So I kind of reached out and I got a residential side job. When I started in the HVAC trade, I started off in commercial industrial, but then my first side job was actually working for a residence. And then that was in 2003. And then that one side job turned into two and then four and then eight. and, And I, here I am 20 years later, I'm still on my summer side job with with 40 employees and our, our budget for next year is 12 million. So,
0: wow. That's yeah. Awesome. That's a awesome. little side
1: job I've got going on here.
0: <laughs> that's a heck of a side job. That's <laughs> entrepreneurship is what that is. That's yes. what that is. What's your exit plan? Have you thought about that?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm shooting for three years. I, I'm going to, I'm 48 years old now and I, I have a, I have a three year rough draft plan. It's not fully mapped out, but I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm looking at possibly doing an ESOP to the employees or maybe a partial ESOP to the leadership team right. or if, you know if the leaders I that I'm that I'm working with now my management team if they're not interested then I'll you know hang up for sale sign on it and maybe that's something you could help me out with.
0: Yeah, that's what I do. I'm an exit guy, exit planning guy. So but that, yeah. that's why I had to ask you. I have to ask every entrepreneur what's their exit plan. But it's good for to sure. hear that you have a plan cuz a lot of these folks don't. Um yep. So you wrote a book. What's the name of the book?
1: Yes, the name of the book is The Blue Collar King's Blueprint for Success.
0: Yeah, Blueprint for Success. Hmm, That sounds eerily similar to Blueprint for Wealth. Uh, Yes. Whatever, you can have it. Um, (laughs) Blueprint for Success, The Blue Collar King. I love that. And you've got a website that uh, talks about not only the book, but also all the stuff all the uh, ancillary services that you provide through that, which we'll get to in a second. Let yeah. me focus on the book for a second. I, I, I looked at the book. I read pieces of it. It's it's mm-hmm. a very good book. And I just wrote a book this year and it's it's hard to write a book, isn't it?
1: It is. When I started out, I mean, I think everyone like, ha- loves the idea of writing a book, but then when you actually get down and start doing the work, it's like, okay, this is actually not that easy. So it, it took me almost the entire year to to put the book together, but it was well worth it. I'm, I'm really glad it's done. I'm super excited. I'm proud of myself. And it's, it came out really nice.
0: What was your intent when you wrote the book? What was your goal?
1: Why my did goal is to help. Book? Yeah. Great question. So my, my goal, and that's kind of how, that'll kind of, I we could talk about, you know, blue collar King and what that looks like. So I've been self-employed for, for 20 years. And the next season of my life is going to be helping others, you know, not have so much chaos. Not, not only did I have chaos growing up, but I spent 20 years in uh, in my entrepreneurial journey in a lot of trial and error mm-hmm. mode. It was a lot of, you know, try this, do that, and winning, losing, roller coaster, rags, riches, a lot of, a lot of. You I read know. that in your
0: book. It was like, okay, I'll try this. It doesn't work. I'll try this. It doesn't work. Correct. It sounds a lot yeah. like me. I think that's what entrepreneurs do, though, isn't it?
1: For sure. I think, yeah, I think we probably all have to do that until the pain gets to enough, get it to enough pain and you're like, okay, I don't want to do it like this anymore. So my, my mission with writing the book is to, is to help people. I've spent a lot of time learning, you know, through trial and error and research and development with my own business. And in about 2016, 2017 is when I learned about this thing called personal development and learning and coaching and peer advisory boards and stuff like that and so i i started investing in myself after i got tired of burning you know money to the ground and sleepless nights and everything that goes along with that i started yep. reaching out and looking for help
0: who did you look to how did you what resources did you use or what did you look for when you were trying to get that help at that point in time.
1: So I was introduced to a group called Vistage. I don't know if you've heard of Vistage. I just gave three
0: speeches to Vistage groups in the last three days. So yes, I know know Vistage. I'm a member of Vistage. That's, That's very cool. cool. Nice. It's a small yeah. world. I didn't even know you were a part of it. That's
1: great. Yeah. So it started with Vistage. I'm no longer in Vistage. And I honestly don't remember how I got turned on to Vistage, if it was a referral or they marketed to me or what, but I was yeah. like, okay, I got to try this. I have to try something. So my my journey of learning and education and personal development started with Vistage.
0: Okay. And then yeah. from there, where
1: did you go? So I met, so after several, you know, months being in Vistage, there was a, a speaker, and his name's Nicky Nemeroff, and he, he's he been, a, at the time, he'd been a peak performance executive coach for about 25 years, maybe 30 years, and long story short, I, I decided to hire him and okay. get a personal coach, and that is when massive change started to happen. I hired Nicky, and I, we were we did a one-hour, one-on-call weekly for, you know, five years straight.
0: And that really turned your life around.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that was absolutely transformational. Having someone in my court that could guide me, help me, teach me some things about business and leadership and emotional intelligence and communication. And also like that, you know, someone that that will tell you the truth, that sees things you don't see, that will call you out on your BS and call you out on your blind spots and stuff like that. So I think I need that.
0: I need somebody to kick me in the butt. Any yep. event, um, other than my wife, cause she always kicks me in the butt. But the, <laughs> um, the, uh, the book talks about the four pillars that you abide by faith, family, fitness, and finance. Yes. And you try to, you know, explain that. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, how did you come to those four pillars and yeah. a little bit about each of them?
1: So I didn't learn this pillar system or this, you know, this framework or model for life and business, if you will. I didn't, I didn't invent this. I learned about it from others. I don't know who, who the original pioneer of that was, if it was Napoleon Hill or Ziegler or Roan or Tony Robbins, right? But what I did is I learned the concepts at some point and I started practicing them years ago. So what I love about the framework is for me, is it allows when you can, when you can see your life holistically, and if you can see it objectively, and if you can look at it as four pillars, uh, faith, family, fitness, and finance, once you have kind of a model or a a measuring stick, if you will, on each of these pillars, it allows you to see things objectively, not emotionally, not subjectively, and you can kind of score yourself of where you're at, and then you can start to do things that move you in that direction. One of the biggest insights that I learned through this, through my personal development journey and through using a framework like this is that our lives are interconnected. So it's, if you think of of these four pillars, like four legs of a table, you kind of need to keep all of these areas of your life in balance. If you want to have happiness, success, abundance, whatever that looks like for you, and that's different for everyone. But I learned that they are interconnected. I also learned that most people have what I call a kryptonite pillar. They have one pillar that is their weakness. For me, it was, it was fitness and health. For most of my life, I was overweight and had challenges with health. And I, I told myself a a, a story and had a lim- limiting belief that I was just not meant to be in shape and that I couldn't work out and such as uh, so on. Like, so that when I learned to overcome my weaknesses and what I call the kryptonite pillar, and I built more self-discipline and more grit in that particular pillar, it allowed me to have more potency and more power in all the other pillars. So when you lift, when you're doing work in each of these pillars, you really lift yourself up holistically. If you can imagine, like I said, these pillars like holding up the table and results of your life.
0: I really like that um, metaphor. And I like the idea, I also read the part of the book where If any of those pillars are out of balance, it's like having a table that has, like you said, a one leg shorter than the other three, things are going to fall off the table that, you know, your life is not going to be in balance. And, um, I, I find, you know, maybe it's something I need to be focusing on more in terms of balancing my life, but I I thought it was really a great metaphor. And the idea of faith, family, fitness particularly and then yeah. uh, obviously finance some people get so inundated or so uh, focused on making sure that you know their finances are better and better and better and making more and more money you're going to lose right. something in the in the, in translation in the other right. three pillars if you're Absolutely. not careful
1: and so that's, yeah. that's really good advice especially us as entrepreneurs i think we chase hard on the finance pillar we're searching for of course we want some financial abundance and success but i believe ultimately everyone's searching for an emotion or a feeling and we we put a lot of energy on that finance pillar chasing the next level the next you know the the next uh, sales the size of the company or whatever that next bar break that barrier okay break this goal you we'll just win 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 and for me my kids are 12 and 11 now and i spent the last 10 years chasing hard putting all this energy on the finance pillar and i missed out not only just having that that balanced life and feeling good holistically but i missed out on all those special moments and not not um filling up my cup in the other pillars as well and i realized wow like it's i don't need more money i don't need a bigger company to feel better there's three other components of my life that i'm not doing any work in and that's when i came to this realization i was like wow it was it was, it was a paradigm shift for sure.
0: And now tell us, tell us about Blue Collar King, the, you know, the, the, the website, but also what you're doing with that and where you're headed with that.
1: So real quick, do I, I would just want to answer your question. Do I oh, feel correct. like it's, per, yeah, no, yeah, no, for sure. So do I feel like it's perfectly balanced? No. Am I working on it? Yes. I also don't believe that there is a level of, like mastery or perfection. I think this, this framework of life, if you will, I think it's a journey. And I think the more you can embrace the journey and let go of the destination and just make it a fun way of being, I think you'll find and have a lot more, a lot more success with
0: the framework. Life is a journey. And it's the, the key is yeah. don't forget that we need to enjoy that journey. We need right. to embrace exactly. it every day. Yes. Uh, it's, it, you know, being present with our family, with our friends, with our faith, yeah. with our business. We need Everything. to be present in it and enjoy it. I mean, it is it is a journey. If you, if all you're looking at is what the end goal is, um, you're missing out on a whole lot of stuff. But that's that's for good sure. advice for all of us. So anyway, back to Blue Collar King. Tell mm-hmm. us some more about that.
1: Yeah. So what Blue Collar King is and kind of uh, talking more about my book too and why I wrote the book. So my mission now that I've, you know, I've done the entrepreneur journey for 20 years and that's not fully put on autopilot but I have a management team and leadership team and that's kind of running the business and I'm I I started recently coaching I operated within it with a context or framework in my own business as being a coach for my leadership team rather than being the CEO or the owner or the boss like I kind of shifted the way in which we operate and the way in which my team looks at me, so I don't even let them call me boss or the owner or anything like I like them to call me like their own personal consultant or their own private coach. So I work within the framework of that in the core business, and then the blue collar King is my new brand. it's for coaching and and I want to give back to the industry. I want to help business owners. Scale and grow faster. I want to help collapse time for for entrepreneurs and business owners in the blue collar service space. I believe that's a, that's the job of a coach. A coach should be in the business to help people collapse time. Uh, they should you shouldn't have to spend twenty years like I did doing it the hard way. Mm-hmm. For sure, I learned a lot of invaluable lessons, and I want to I want to give back. I want to take what I've learned in twenty years and and give my tools and learning and help other people coach that coach them and and help them grow, not just their business, but, but learn how to, how to apply the, the framework of the pillars.
0: How do you collapse time? I'd like to know how to do that myself.
1: Yeah. I'm very serious. Yeah, for sure. So if, let me think of it like this. So again, back to my journey, if I, if I would have known about, you know, a lot of the tools and systems and personal development stuff that I talk about in my book a decade ago, my journey of time, you know, from A to B was, was, let's just say 20 years. How do I have met someone five years into my journey? I know with utmost certainty that where I'm at 20 years in, I could have been at that destination probably in like eight or 10 years. If I would have had a coach that understood all these business systems and tactics, leadership, you know, tactics, you know, looking at Mm -hmm. life holistically, explaining to me how working on my health and my mindset is going to have an impact on on my relationships and my business. So that's the way I see collapsing time for others is that I as a coach, I should be able to go out and help people get to their destination faster. In other words, you can you can drive to New York or you can jump on board with like the blue collar king in your business and we can get we can jump in the private jet and we can get to New York a, a lot quicker. So that's how we're collapsing time for people.
0: I like that. I like that. The, the coaching aspect of it, you had mentioned that you met this individual who was helping you with your coaching through Vistage. How, yeah. how would you recommend the entrepreneurs that you're counseling, if they're not being coached by you because your time is going to be limited too, Sure. how would you recommend that they find the coach that would be best suited for them? and how you know who is best suited to coach yeah. you versus somebody else
1: yes yeah it's a, it's an excellent question and in the in the market right now and everyone knows this everyone's a coach right you you go on you turn on your social media your email or whatever and it's like hire me I'm a coach I'm a coach I'm a coach so I it's very important and it's an excellent question I'm glad you asked it if you're going to if you're going to seek coaching or seek advice or training what mm-hmm. I recommend is that you do research on the on the coach that you're working with, and ask them what have they built, what have they created, what um, you know what what stripes have they earned, if you will? Did, did they just go take a, a business systems class and get a cute certificate and now they think they're an experienced coach, or mm-hmm. have they have they been in the in your industry for 20 years? What have they done to actually get in the trenches and do the work and build something? versus they think they're a coach and they're going to coach you. I also think it's important that you find a coach that you can that you can resonate with and and trust. Like I think personalities need to line up and you need to find a coach that's going to tell you the truth. You're going to have to if you're going to go on a coaching journey, you have to get ready to have your feelings hurt. But you have to know that discomfort is the portal to expansion. Yes. So, if, you know, if yeah, you're looking that. for a discomfort it,
0: is the portal to expansion? I want to repeat that a hundred times in my brain because the, what a great
1: line! Did you create thank that you? just now? Yeah, I kind of just, I kind of just, uh, just, just off created right it out of the, I it's love brilliant. it, brilliant, brilliant. Well, done. thank you. So without without discomfort, growth is very is very minimal. You can expand over time at a very low, slow and long rate of speed. But if you want to grow quickly, you have to, you have to embrace the discomfort. It's, it's growing pains. I don't call it growing pains because it feels good. But for <laughs> me, I, I worked with some, a lot of different coaches. And the coaches that got me the best results are the ones that told me the absolute truth faster sooner of stuff that I needed to hear but, but didn't want to hear
0: so would you th- would you recommend a personal coach over a peer to peer group like ypo or vistage or something like that
1: i wouldn't say one or the other i think i think they're both amazing i think vistage or it, it peer groups are probably a good way to find a coach that you could work with find a coach that you can trust a coach that has a proven track record that's probably a better way to like Uh, find a coach would be through a peer advisory board like that because they have some type of reputation or credibility there in that space rather than just going and searching online and googling looking for a coach if -hmm. you are going to do it that way like i said do your research like ask them a lot of questions about their resume their background their specialties their niche and do those align with your business model and the problems that you're trying to to overcome
0: wow well that's such good advice Do you have any other advice for the entrepreneurs that are listening to this program? Because there are a bunch that do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to reiterate, like if you're not if you're not getting the message about coaching, not that I'm trying to sell coaching or Wayne is or whatever. It is the absolute best way to grow quickly with less pain and less chaos, and less suffering. There's a lot of amazing companies out there that, that, are, that are putting together courses and training. And then there's these big summits and rah, rah, rah stuff. And all that stuff's fun and cool, and it makes you feel good. And it's good to get away from the rat race and go hang out with other people. But that's and, not but if coaching. That's not coaching. And that, but all these people call themselves coaches. They're not really coaches. They're they're putting together classes, and the classes help. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to knock all the guys, and I know people that put out a lot of courses. Sure, <laughs> but you know what I mean. I do. But you're not going to move the needle sitting behind a computer watching hours and hours of courses every week. It's just not going to happen.
0: So having somebody hold you accountable, I think, is what you're saying. Absolutely. Having somebody talk to you about your deepest thoughts and your dreams and your wishes but also your fears and yes. identifying those fears and helping you overcome them yeah. that's what you're talking about
1: yes and another thing I'll say on that too is the right coach is going to be able to meet you where you're at it's very important that if you're if you're having some struggles or want to go to the next level that yeah. you get the, the right information and the right tools and tactics of things you need right now. You don't need the whole toolbox of everything that's available, AKA all these courses. Yeah. That's just going to send you down a rabbit hole and confuse you. And a year from now, you're just going to be in the same spot and have more information that you don't know how to implement or execute. So that's how would you really find important.
0: the right coach?
1: How would I? How did I, or how would I? How
0: would, how would you advise others to find the right coach?
1: In the the groups, like we talked about, join a peer advisory board and, or Joe, you know, you can go online, you can get into online masterminds. Now you can Google HVAC, you know, coach or whatever, you know, insurance or tax planning coaches or whatever. Right. But I would, I would network, network, talk to people and ask them who they're using. Do you have a referral? Do you know of a Facebook group I can get into? You know, if you're a, a, a restaurant owner, jump jump into some different facebook groups that are specific for restaurant owners and just ask people hey who who knows a coach is there a, is there a coach in our industry that someone's used that that has a good reputation that's credible reliable
0: as the blue collar king what do you seek in terms of uh people coming to you um what should what should the uh, you know the the perfect uh person come to you for for coaching are you seeking to uh, you know expand your coaching experience and and uh, and your population of uh, of mentees
1: yeah if you're I'm looking for people that are ready and hungry so I'm I want to work with people as a coach I want to work with people that are ready to do the work there's a lot of people that they think they want to do the work but they're not actually ready to to execute they're looking for the magic pill yeah and there is no magic pill there are some magical tools and systems and tactics and stuff like that but there's no magic pill that's going to let you bypass or take, you know, this other shortcut route around doing some hard work. So for me, I like to specialize in blue collar. I like to specialize in service type businesses. And I want to work with people that are, that are hungry and they're ready for the next level. They're not tire kickers. Like, I think I want to grow. I think I want to do the work. They're like ready to go right now. And they're like, okay, like coach, put, you know, tap me in. I'm ready to go. What do I need to do? They need to be coachable and they need to be able to listen and, and do the work that makes it fun as a coach when people are actually, you know, ru- willing to execute.
0: So how can they get in touch with you, Matt? How does a prospective mentee or somebody who wants to engage you in the Blue Collar King program? How do they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, thank you. The best The best way to do that is just to go to my website, It's www.bluecollarking.com. All the information about what I do is there. There's a link to my book. And you can also get into contact with me through my website.
0: So that's how I found the book was going to your website. And also you can go on Amazon and type in Blue Collar King and it'll pop right up. And it's available for purchase right now, right now. Yes, so it is. Buy, buy as many buy copies as you like. <laughs> in fact, buy them in bulk because yes. uh, that's the best way to do it. I'm telling you, yeah. you, you don't want to miss that opportunity. Well, <laughs> again, I, this has been inspirational to me. Thank you. It gets me thinking about where I'm headed. And I, I'm much older than you, but I'm never, uh, I never stop learning. I'm always learning new things. And by right. talking with you today, I've learned a whole lot of new stuff. And I'm very excited right, and like very this. happy to have met you today.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: And thanks for being on Blueprint for Wealth. And next time, we're going to have another special guest who's going to blow your socks off just like Matt Murray. So stay tuned. We'll have another blue collar, uh, not a blue collar for wealth. We're going to have a blueprint for wealth. Uh, I'm, I'm confused about what we're even talking about. We'll have a blueprint for wealth special guest for you next time. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, this is Wayne Zell, and welcome to Blueprint for Wealth's Educational Moment. Today, we're going to talk about when should you sell a piece of your company to a non-grantor trust. What's an installment sale of a company? How does it work? Well, in an installment sale, you could sell part or all of your business to a trust for the benefit of your spouse and family, for a promissory note that bears interest only with the principal amount becoming due at a specified maturity date in the future. Depending on the duration of the note, the IRS's applicable federal rate would determine the interest rate. And while the note may or may not be secured, it has to be enforceable under local law. What's an example of an installment sale involving a business? Well. One example may be where you're selling an appreciated business interest either to your kids or your heirs directly or to a non grantor trust established for the benefit of your children or heirs in a taxable installment sale. What's the advantage of selling to a non grantor trust? Well, at least one advantage of selling to a non grantor trust is that it allows you to lock in the capital gains at a fixed value while deferring the recognition of gain until payments are made under the promissory note. The strategy effectively transfers the appreciation and value to the trust beneficiaries. How is the tax handled for interest and principal payments that are received from the buyer? Well, interest that's received from the buyer is taxable at ordinary income rates, which can be as high as 37% federal On the other hand, principal payments are subject to tax as long-term capital gains, which might include a return of capital, but only when the principal payments are actually received. What's the difference between using a grantor trust versus a non-grantor trust? If you sell the business interest to a grantor trust, which means that the income of the trust is taxable to you as the grantor, the sale is ignored for income tax purposes. In other words, the trust doesn't pay income tax, you do, so you're treated as if you're selling the interest to yourself. But in a non-granter trust, which is treated as a separate taxpayer, the note will allow you to defer income tax until the installment of interest and principal payments are received. One main exception to this rule is when the buyer is related to the seller and sells the assets within two years of the original purchase. In that case, the gain will be accelerated. If you wanna know more about sales to non grantor trusts, grantor trusts, or trusts in general, contact us at zelllaw.com. And if you wanna read more about some of these techniques, you should check out my book, Your Multi-Million Dollar Exit, which is available on Amazon, as well as at waynezell.com.